0: Well, howdy-do, Trainers. It's me, Ryan Geyser, back with another episode of I Wanna Watch the Very Best Because Gotta Watch Them All was taken. Oh, I know I've been saying this for the last couple episodes, but we are so close to the end. We have, after today, two more episodes to go in the Indigo League. That's right. Just two more episodes, and it's off to the Orange Islands. So I think the plan this week is you are getting the full four episodes serving, and then next week it's going to be the last two episodes, and then kind of my thoughts on Generation 1 of Pokemon. Just as kind of a way to summarize my thoughts on this generation, to give you an idea of where I'm coming from when I look at stuff. And that's going to be on the Pokemon designs, the games, the anime, the merchandise even. It's just going to be a bunch of stuff, whatever I can think of that I'd want to talk about, about Generation 1 of Pokemon. And my plan is, if I manage to keep this podcast going long enough, I'm going to do that analysis at the beginning of every generation of Pokemon. You know, just give my thoughts on Gen 5, 6, 7, whatever, how far on we are by the time we reach that point. And I know I'll say it again later, but I'll say it now. Thanks for sticking with me. I honestly didn't think this podcast would catch on at all, so it's really nice to... Just to see some people even listening to it, it really does mean a lot. I put a lot of effort into this, and it's nice hearing people talk about how that effort pays off. So anyway, in real life news, by the time you're hearing this episode, I'm going to be in Gen Con, and I'm going to be meeting some online friends I have not seen in real life ever, so it's going to be a wild experience, but don't worry, new episode will be coming next week. I will work my absolute butt off on Monday to make sure you guys get it. Alright, let's see, I talked about Gen Con, I gave my thank you, Uh, so besides that, I think we just have today's episode to get to, so let's go right into it! Episode 75, Round 1, BEGIN! Synopsis. As the Pokemon League begins, Ash, Gary, and all the other trainers begin with their very first matches. And that's it. That's the best synopsis for this episode. It's just round one begin. What do you expect? After a recap of the Torch episode, we see some Palatown residents, including Oak, Delia, and Mr. Mime, watching news coverage of the League. Ash and Co. walk by the background, to Delia's absolute joy. Ash then heads to the registration desk, with Brock jumping in front of him to flirt with the receptionist.
1: I need your identification so I can check you in, please.
0: Ash can check in while I check out your beautiful smile. I could check that out all day.
1: Uh... uh... It's checkout time for you, (laughs) brah.
0: After Misty shoves him off, Ash gets checked in and asks who he's going to be battling in the Indigo Stadium. However, Brock jumps in again, explaining in a strangely aggressive way that trainers don't start in the stadium, instead having to go through four rounds, where they fight in stadiums based around water, grass, ice, and rock terrain. Ash asks how he knows all this, and Brock shows off his guidebook that he studied, trying and failing one last time to appeal to the receptionist. Ash then asks what field he'll be battling on then, with the receptionist giving him a cute little electronic roulette wheel spin to the side. Considering this could very unevenly balance the brackets, this must just be a fun little cosmetic for the trainers that gives them a predetermined result. His first battle takes place on the water field, the third match of the day, and he's pitted against a trainer named Mandy. That's Mandy with an I at the end, not a Y by the way. Outside, Team Rocket tries to get intel on rare Pokemon by posing as a news crew, just harassing people to show off their teams. One man proudly talks about his Doduo, Raticate and Venomoth, incorrectly saying Raticate when an image of Venomoth appears behind him. Team Rocket is pretty disinterested.
1: Oh great, a three-headed bird, an overgrown rat, and Bugzilla.
0: Eventually they come across Mandy, who's performing magic tricks to a small crowd of admirers. The Rockets approach him, and after he rudely brags about himself, the Rockets make a fun reference to their Japanese motto.
1: So what network are you from? We're from LCN! Letters that fit us to a D! LCN? Lovely, Lovely charming, charming Network! network. I'm Jesse, and I came up with the name. I felt it captured the essence of me.
0: Uh-huh. That may be, but Mandy the Astounding only appears on networks that have viewers. <laughs> bye bye Mia stops Jesse from absolutely murdering this guy, and James makes a joke that applies a little bit too well to current online talk shows that shan't be named.
1: Well is that so, Magic Boy? Come back here and I'll make your teeth disappear! I bet a lot of viewers would love to see that! Wait, Jesse! If you blow our cover, they'll bounce us out of here, and we'll never get any Pokémon! You've got to hold your temper, or people will start to get suspicious! So act like a TV reporter, not some radio talk show host! You're right. Besides, it would be a crime for this face to wind up on radio. You
0: scare me. Elsewhere, Misty offers to let Ash borrow her Pokémon, but the boy says that him and his Squirtle should be able to handle it. Gary then mockingly calls out to him, and says that he should s- and says that he starts on the ice field later. He then sarcastically wishes Ash luck on not losing, since he wants to take down his rival himself. Gary then gets up to go begin his battle. Just as Ash is about to angrily yell at him, an announcement comes on, paging him to go to the nearest phone. Answering it, Ash is greeted by Professor Oak, who offers to send in an exchange any Pokemon Ash might need for the challenge, saying Gary actually did the same earlier that day. Krabby's claw then peeks up from the corner of the screen, reminding Ash that his crab exists and asking to have that one sent over. Delia then also hops on the phone, wishing him luck and showing her small group rooting for him, causing Ash to become all embarrassed. Krabby is sent over, Delia wishes him well one more time, and Ash prepares to leave. On the way out, however, he comes across Mandy, who brags about how easily he'll win. Ash tries to be friendly and shake Mandy's hand, but he psychs him out and pulls away from Ash, saying, His hands are for Pokemon, not people. (laughs) After boasting one more time, Mandy leaves. Brock and Misty say he was just being needlessly mean, Ash saying that man just talked himself into an even harder battle. Sitting down to eat, Misty asks Ash if he's sure he doesn't want to borrow her Pokemon, especially since Krabby has never even battled. Brock actually takes her side, saying that picking the correct Pokémon is one of the most important parts of the League. As Ash begins to consider their offer, they turn to a news channel showing the recent match, Gary having won and subtly calling Ash a loser live on TV. When Ash's battle begins later, he nervously watches the match before him finish. He's then let into the arena, ready to begin his first League fight, which has a three Pokémon limit. The Rocket Trio and the Palatown residents watch eagerly, Brock and Misty watching from behind Ash as well. Just as Ash is about to send out his first Pokemon, a familiar voice rings out from the announcer's booth.
1: I have some tricks of my own! I'm not just some twerp! Hey! Twerp! Ah, that voice! Listen, Listen up, kid! We're on your side this time, so you better, you better dump, dump that skunk. skunk! Use some spunk and leave him sunk! Team Rocket. And they're cheering for Ash. Who would have ever thunked that we'd be rooting for that little punk?
0: The trio are then escorted out by a large group of Officer Jennies.
1: How did you three get back in here anyway? Oh, Come on, Robert. you're going right really? back What's out. Going you're on? under oh, arrest. I'm what? saying, hey, 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 I'm We know who you really are. Your Team Rocket. I want my lawyer. I want my mommy. How'd they see through my disguise? Looks, Looks like Team, team Rocket's started off again. again.
0: Brock stares in awe at the Jennies, and Misty asks if he's even able to tell the difference between them. Those were some of my top favorite officer Jenny's. Uh,
1: you can tell them apart?
0: Of course I can! Jenny from Viridian City wears her skirt shorter than the other Jenny's! The Celadon City Jenny uses styling gel in her
1: luxurious hair! Saffron City's Jenny wears exotic Vial Bloom number no. five perfume.
0: Then there's the vivacious Vermillion City, Jenny.
1: Alright, alright, we heard enough. Let's get on with the
0: show. The battle then begins for realsies this time. Mandy choosing Executor while Ash starts with Krabby, both spawning in atop two small platforms in the middle of a pool of water. Misty says that Ash is really stupid for choosing the untrained Krabby, but Ash is like, Ah, don't worry, Misty, I have Squirtle and Pikachu as backup. (laughs) Ha 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 ha! Executor starts out with a psi wave, Ash telling Krabby to dive into the water and harden. Mandy then has his Pokemon create a whirlpool, sweeping Krabby up in it. Brock yells for Ash to switch to Pikachu, just as Executor launches a rain of egg bombs. Ash tries to recall his Krabby, but the Pokeball Beam keeps missing due to the whirlpool. Krabby then manages to escape the whirlpool, though, and is commanded to use Vice Grip, grabbing onto its opponent's leaves. Mandy tries to have it use Hypnosis, but Executor can't reach Krabby on top of its head. Ash then has his Pokémon finish it off with a Leer followed by a Stomp attack. Just as his friends are complimenting how surprisingly well Ash did, Krabby begins to glow, evolving mid-match into a Kingler. Ash decides to stick with his Kingler, Mandy sending out Sidra. Sidra uses Agility, dodging Kingler's Water Gun and Bubble Attacks as it charges ever closer. However, just as Cedra is about to ram into Kingler, a bubble lands a successful hit, causing Mandy's Pokemon to fly into the air, Ash having Kingler knock it out with a crab hammer as it falls back down. As Ash finally starts to get over his nerves, his friend and a hidden team rocket cheer him on. Mandy then sends out his final Pokemon, Golbat. Brock worries as Kingler is weak to flying moves. Which, no, it's not, it's a pure water type, it's fine. He tries to get Ash to recall his Pokemon and switch to Pikachu, but Ash is confident that Kingler can win. He has it jump into the water, while Mandy has his Pokemon use Double Team. Kingler then vice grips a shadow it sees, but it ends up destroying one of the doubles, getting punished by a hiding Golbat's Razor Wind. Mandy believes he has this, having Golbat use Mega Drain but Ash has Kingler use Hyper Beam right before the attack lands, knocking the Golbat out. Ash, having only used one Pokemon the entire fight, celebrates his first victory, while Mandy laments his immediate loss. Ash runs out to hug his new Bigger Crab, praising it as the viewers at home cheer him on. Team Rocket also admire his victory, justifying it as, Well, the stronger he gets, the better Pokemon we can steal later. (laughs) Brock says that Ash should conduct his victory celebration in a dignified and restrained manner. But the boy's already hopping around like a doofus in front of the cameras, declaring his intent to keep winning as the episode closes. While not as much as the previous episode, I am a fan of this episode as well. I think my main gripe with it is just how easily Kingler won, and how resistant Ash was to his friend's help. I know it's just a simple round one match, and I'm happy we got Krabby some screen time, but I think it might have felt better to have Ash lose one Pokemon, just one. Have Krabby be his ace in the sleeve, and maybe have Squirtle KO'd, show that this isn't some simple challenge he can win no problem. But, you know, for what we got, it's pretty good, strong start to our league battles. Episode 76, Fire and Ice. Synopsis. Ash's League battles continue on, but could Team Rocket's trap put a wrench into it all? Once again, that's basically it. There's really not much to do for a synopsis for these ones. We recap the previous episode, then begin in the thick of Ash's second battle. He's on the rock field, facing an unnamed extra, each down to just one Pokemon left. The other kid chooses Nidorino, with Ash choosing Squirtle, disappointing a very eager Pikachu. Since they both sent out a Pokémon, that must mean the previous two had a double knockout, which I kind of wish I saw. Nidorino charges with a tackle, Ash having Squirtle withdrawn to its shell and roll away. As it's chased, the Pokémon rolls up a concave curved hill, popping out of its shell and landing a solid water gun. While its opponent is stunned, Squirtle then finishes it off with a Skull Bash, winning Ash his second league match. His friends cheer with him, and Gary watches on with some contempt, saying his luck will run out at some point. Outside, Team Rocket digs through some trash. Oh, what a cruel twist
1: of fate. Thousands are inside all rooting for Ash, while Team Rocket is outside rooting through trash. Let's come up with some plans and get out of these cans! Say... There's a way we can swipe Pikachu that I know. So, so let's, let's all get to work and get on with the show!
0: Later, back at the house, Brock is feeding all of Ash's Pokemon sans Pikachu. Misty asking where Ash even is. Brock explains that, well, Ash said he was hungry and went out to find some food. Misty is concerned that he didn't take his team to a Pokemon Center. Then let's Togepi down to eat a little bit as well. Ash, meanwhile, walks along the streets at night, looking for food, since battling takes a lot out of a guy. Interestingly, the dub didn't actually put English text over a lot of the signs, most of them still having the original designs on them. Ash then realizes that he's a bit lost, and begins walking around silently, passing by posters for Spielbunk's movie, and in a cutscene with a whole bunch of souvenir stores, Pikachu admires a bobblehead. They finally end in front of a parade of Pokemon Floats before Misty and Brock find him, scolding him for forgetting to heal his Pokemon, Brock having brought the Pokeballs for the boy. While strategizing for tomorrow's battle, the group then sees a Pokemon Center, only to discover it has a line out the door of people waiting to heal, Nurse Joy saying that the Center is at capacity, and to take their Mons elsewhere. Looking for another center, the group finds the all-you-can-eat buffet that Ash was looking for earlier, the trainer rushing into it. Misty reminds him of his Pokemon, but he says that him and Pikachu also need to care for themselves or they risk collapsing. Ash walks inside, looking at awe at all the food, before remembering that he's unfortunately broke. A waitress then approaches and offers the boy a plate.
1: Would you like a plate? Yeah, but only if it's a collection plate. (laughs) Here, take this. You mean, eat free? Sure. (laughs) This is great. She must have seen me win the match today and wants me to have dinner for free. (laughs) Thanks a lot. I owe it all to fans like you.
0: As Ash fills his plate, Misty finally enters as well, seeing him eat with Pikachu at the table and joining them. Ash still believes that he got the food for free due to the waitress being a fan of his. But Misty humorously explains that, well, all the League trainers get to eat here free of charge. After Pikachu saves Togepi from being stabbed by falling silverware, Ash asks where Brock went, and Misty also just kind of realizes he's gone. And Misty also just kind of remembers that he's gone. They go out looking for him. Misty saying Brock told her he'd be in front of the security headquarters building which has Jennys and Joys running in and out of it. Proc, no surprise, is in the horny heaven.
1: Ah, it doesn't get any better than this. Nurse Joys and Officer Jennys everywhere. Ah, you're the Joy from Saffron City. yeah. Oh, and you're the joy from Celadon City. Uh, oh, remember me? Brock's going crazy. At least I'm not the only one going crazy. Oh.
0: Leaving him alone, Ash and Misty then go to another Pokemon Center. This one's line even longer than the previous one. Whining about having to wait, Ash then notices someone beckoning him from the alleyway. James, in the nurse's outfit and speaking with a falsetto, says that he knows of a secret Pokemon Center, which comes complete with its own Nurse Joy. Brock then suddenly reappears, saying he'd come from anywhere to see a Nurse Joy. James leads the trio to a shaggy wooden building with a Pokeball on top, saying, Oh, it's just a temporary setup, don't worry about it, in you go. Inside, they see a smiling Nurse Joy standing next to a poster that says, Pokemon two words that are also unchanged in the dub. Misty says this doesn't really feel right, but Brock says it must be legit since it has a nurse Joy, who is still stuck smiling widely and unmoving, clearly just Jessie in a mask. James takes Pikachu to the back, and Ash tries to hand his Pokeballs to an unmoving Joy. Brock stops him, though, saying it's weird how he hasn't felt any sort of attraction at all to this Joy, despite his crush on her bloodline. Hmm, that's really weird. What's really weird, Brock? Usually when I see a Nurse Joy, I'm dizzy and I act kind of crazy and I start talking in a really goofy way.
1: So what? That sounds like Ash all the time.
0: Hmm, maybe I'm just experiencing a temporary Nurse Joy overload.
1: Brock, I think it's probably just because you weren't prepared for them. That must be the trouble, Brock. You weren't prepared to see them. That's the trouble. We say something wrong? Prepare for trouble! Make it double!
0: Hearing their trigger words, the Rockets reveal themselves and motto off. Brock then brags that his joy detector is never wrong, Ash complimenting him before Misty yells at him to get his gosh dang Pokemon back. The evil trio then take off in their balloon, trying to escape with a contained Pikachu, James crying from happiness over their success. However, Brock sends out his Onyx, which quickly just reaches up and bites their balloon, pulling them down so Ash can get Pikachu before lifting them right back up. It then flings a now-depressed Rocket group into the horizon. Reuniting with Pikachu, they all set out to find a real Pokémon Center. Coincidentally, an announcement rings out saying that the local centers are now accepting new patients again, the trio rushing to get healed. As Ash runs, the screen and music fade to the ice arena, a crowd cheering them on! Both down to just a couple Pokemon remaining, Ash's Kingler faces off against the Cloyster. It closes its shell, making Kingler's Crabhammer fail. Ash worries that Kingler will get too worn out to fight, but Misty and Brock point out that Cloyster is still taking damage despite its defense, so Ash encourages Kingler to keep hammering away. Eventually, Cloyster's shell breaks, knocking it out. Ash's opponent then switches it up by sending out an Arcanine. Ash believes it's a pretty easy win, having Kingler use Bubble. Arcanine manages to dodge, though, and howls while using Dragon Rage, summoning a Whirlpool somehow and spinning Kingler around before defeating it. Ash then has Pikachu jump out, starting off by having him use Agility to disorient the doggo. Arcanine then uses Fire Blast, and misses Pikachu. However, it was all according to his opponent's plan, as the ice in the arena melts away to water, leaving only two small platforms for the Pokémon to stand on. Arcanine then launches one more Fire Blast, but on Brock's advice, Ash tells Pikachu to dive into the water, dodging it, but emerging right in front of the Arcanine. Brock says now Ash should have this in the bag but seeing his confusion, Misty reminds him that water conducts electricity.
1: Uh, Ash, you didn't forget that water conducts electricity, did ya? Uh, I didn't forget it. I just didn't remember right away.
0: With a massive thunderbolt, Arcanine falls into the water, floating unconscious while Ash celebrates his third win, hugging Pikachu and moving on to his fourth and final preliminary match. Now, something happens here that is really interesting. They barely show any battling. A string of battle episodes is broken up by one that tries its hardest to shift away from battles. And I like it. This whole episode is just a lot quieter than others. Especially the part where Ash and Pikachu are wandering around at night. Personally, I enjoy it. It reminds me of a slightly more energized version of my memories, walking around with friends or family at night during a convention or on vacation. Just an exciting atmosphere that's slightly dampened by the late time of day. They're fond memories, so I like that this episode has something similar. Not my all-time favorite episode, but still a pretty good one. Episode 77, The Fourth Round Rumble! Synopsis! Ash reaches the final battle of the preliminary round, but after the shocking results of Gary's battle, Ash realizes this is going to be a hard struggle. This episode begins with Gary's match against a girl named Melissa, each trainer with one Pokemon and Gary's nerves clearly getting to him. Ash's group worriedly wonders if Gary will be able to even win. Both Pokemon, clearly worn, prepare to use the last bit of their strength. Gary has Nido King use horn attack, but the opposing Golem grabs the horn and uses seismic toss, causing the Nido King to faint and Gary to lose the battle. He falls to his knees, his cheerleaders cry, and our heroes stare in disbelief. It then cuts to Gary's car outside, his fans still crying as he prepares to get in and leave. Ash runs up to him, but Gary proudly turns and says that eh, he was just distracted during the match by the cheering. His opponent got off easy. He then gives Ash a very nonchalant goodbye and is chauffeured off, Ash watching him leave. He then turns to Pikachu, saying how surprised he is Gary got taken out. even half-sarcastically says that maybe they should drop out. Brock then approaches and encourages his friend, saying to not even consider quitting. Ash smiles and agrees to keep pushing, before Misty yells that his match should be starting soon too. Cutting to the inside of the stadium building, we see Team Rocket happily selling souvenirs from a stall, Meowth reminding them that they're scouting for Pokemon, not going honest. James then tries to water his victory bell.
1: Just don't turn honest on me! You know I'm starting to enjoy doing honest, ordinary work like normal folks do. It's satisfying to perform simple tasks! <laughs> very simple. I guess this goes to show that when you ring up lots of sales, a victory bell might take its toll!
0: This situation also becomes very common later in the series. When the future League and other tournament battles happen and the show just wants to focus more on the battle than the antics of the characters, they just give Team Rocket jobs. So they'll just randomly be concession people, watching and commenting on the battle but not interfering with it. It's a very common sight later and the trio is surprisingly good at their jobs. A man then approaches and asks if they have any more official Pokemon League badges left. Jesse says though they're fresh out, but Meowth jumps up and says they may have one more in the back. The other two peek behind a curtain, and see Meowth creating fake badges using bottle caps, sighing at his scheme. Ash's battle then begins on the grass field, his opponent being one Jeanette Fisher. She then emerges, walking along a red carpet, as an attendant showers her with rose petals introducing herself and boarding her battle platform. She also has her own cheer squad, just like Gary. Brock turns traitor and starts rooting for the pretty girl. Ash begins with Bulbasaur, Jeanette with Beedrill. The bug tries to tackle, but Bulbasaur dodges out of the way. Ash then has it use Razor Leaf, but the Beedrill serpentine maneuvers it and begins trying to land Twin Needle attacks, Bulbasaur moving its head side to side to avoid them as it backs away. It then uses Poison Sting, switching to its rear stinger as Bulbasaur continues dodging the same way.
1: I just hope Jeanette doesn't have any more Pokémon like that Beedrill. Mmm.
0: I just hope she doesn't have a boyfriend.
1: Well, there's no way that boyfriend's gonna be you, Mr. That goofy be dead.
0: Ash then commands Bulbasaur to use Leech Seed. It lands right on the stinger, and restrains Beedrill as it's weakened. Bulbasaur then finishes it with a tackle, while Brock continues to root for the opposition as Misty yells at him. Jeanette next picks Scyther, which immediately charges at Bulbasaur with Slash attacks. Ash's Pokemon dodges, with Scyther then following up with Quick Attack, which is actually a mistranslated Swift, as it launches beams out of its claw arms. Bulbasaur tries to use Vine Whip, but the vines are cut, the Pokemon becoming overwhelmed. Scyther then creates three shadow clones with a double team, confusing both Ash and Bulbasaur. Ash then orders a Vine Whip, choosing the wrong one and getting punished with a hit as a result. Scyther then begins rapidly charging at and hitting Bulbasaur, who still hangs on just by a thread. Bulbasaur, Razor Leaf, and Vine Whips again, Scyther dodging them all with its clones. As Bulbasaur is hit into the air, Ash has the idea to use Vine Whip on all three of the Scyther, something he really should have thought of earlier. With this advice, Scyther's double team is destroyed, and Scyther is hit, being pinned down and knocked out. Brock and Misty compliment his skill in quick thinking. Team Rocket, meanwhile, is in the middle of another idea. They have their balloon fly over the crowd with big Pikachu balloons tied to the bottom as they stand ready with a giant vacuum hose. Some officer Jenny's on patrol spot the balloon and recognize it as Team Rocket, having a growlith that is mistakenly called an Arcanine, shoot it down with a flamethrower. The crowd then rushes over to the wreckage, happily looking at the now closer Pikachu balloons. The evil trio panics, quickly trying to turn on the vacuum, but it's not working, as jennies have discovered the body of the device. It's not working!
1: Whatever it is, it's getting a ticket. Huh?
0: huh?
1: Stop, the cops! Stop, in the name of the law! Ah! After him, Jenny! Roger, Jenny!
0: In order to escape, the Rockets run into the stadium, slipping on some water and all slamming right into a concession stand. Making the most of it, they quickly put on uniforms and go back to selling. Anyway, ignoring that, we go back to the actual battle and plot. Jeanette sends out Bellsprout, surprising everyone, with even Ash mocking it as well. However, Ash is humbled when Bulbasaur tries to tackle, the Bellsprout dodging and Bulbasaur missing horribly. It tries again, but Bellsprout grapples the Bulbasaur and flings him away. It then whips around, throwing him into the pedestal unconscious. Ash then chooses Pikachu, having it use Thundershock but the Bellsprout manages to dodge each bolt, countering with a missed razor leaf. Pikachu then manages to land a successful, stronger electric bolt, but Bellsprout used its roots to ground itself and avoid damage. Despite it not working like that, because, you know, the electricity still has to travel through its body to be grounded, that would hurt, still. Pikachu hypes itself up and keeps trying to hit the Bellsprout, constantly missing, Bellsprout countering by drop-kicking Pikachu. Knocking him unconscious. Worrying about Ash, his friends are surprised to see Oak and Delia show up. Oak comments that Gary's loss is probably a good way to humble him a bit, while Delia and him cheer for Ash. Ash, a look of determination in his eyes, sends out his final Pokemon. Muck. Oak tells the group that Ash called that morning to get Muck. Misty surprised at his strategic thinking. Bellsprout tries to kick, razor leaf, and even suplex Muck, but each attack does nothing but bounce off its gooey body. It then body slams the small flower, suffocating it to unconsciousness, and winning the final preliminary round! Ash runs over to Muck and is hugged by him, while Jeanette receives and praises her Bellsprout for its efforts, departing gracefully. Team Rocket, meanwhile, is surprised that they managed to sell their entire stock, remarking that they make better salespeople than thieves.
1: Well, we sold out everything! Let's face it, we're much more successful at selling stuff than we are at stealing stuff! You're right, it's fun and profitable too! (laughs) Ha! The next thing you know, you two will want to open a fast food joint! (gasps) That's not a bad idea. We can call it Jessie's. James. Want a burger and fries without trouble? If you're really hungry, make it double. To protect the world from hunger and thirst. Our food isn't bad, at least not the worst. The Team Rocket restaurant blasting for a bite. We, we stay, stay open, open all day. All day. We, we stay, stay open, open all, all night.
0: We end in the locker room. Misty complimenting Ash and Muck, being hugged by the giant Pokemon as everyone laughs. This episode, I think, demonstrates what big battles eventually become. The focus is almost entirely on combat, full of Ash's friends commentating, with the Rockets generally not really doing anything to drive the episode, just fill up runtime. And by golly, they do that here! Their scenes could be cut entirely with no plot loss, but man, it'd be a loss of entertainment, so I'm glad that they put them in. Also, I think it's an amazing choice to knock Gary out so early. They constantly build up his and Ash's rivalry, which would culminate with a battle of the two strongest trainers we know. But Gary loses to some random trainer before even reaching Ash, while Ash continues on. It shows Ash's growth as a trainer, Gary's gradual growth as a person, and the ability to make another season wide open. It just really helps to cement that the league is hard. Gary, the only other extremely powerful trainer we've seen this entire show, is beaten. So, our understanding of the league's difficulty is made abundantly clear. It's just hard to put into words why I like this. Sorry if it's confusing. Go watch and enjoy this episode. And the next episode is, 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 episode 78. A friend indeed. By the way, that's in and deed, two words. Synopsis! Having finally moved on to the official Pokemon League bracket, Ash, his family, and friends all go out to eat. But while at the restaurant, an accident leads to a chance encounter with a new friend. Once more recapping the last episode, we then see the main trio walking along a row of temporary housing, deciding to go celebrate Ash's advancement with a big meal! Covered by Ash, who eats for free. Arriving back at their building, Oak and Delia are waiting to congratulate our hero. They praise his hard work, and Delia says she'll make Ash's favorite dishes to celebrate. Ash asking where she's even going to cook, since the homes don't have a kitchen. We then shift to a restaurant at the top of a building, Delia having taken over the kitchen while the cooks look on helplessly. Our customers do not come here to cook.
1: Well, maybe they should try it. Dinner's almost ready! I can't wait. This is either gonna be very good or very bad.
0: Thankfully, her food turns out great, and everyone enjoys it, the chef even having asked for the recipe. Oak then tells Ash that if he wins the next match, he'll be allowed to use six Pokémon instead of just three, Ash saying he'll wait to see his opponent before deciding on the team. The party then boards the elevator back down. Oak telling Ash that even if he loses, he's a winner. Delia saying to try and win despite that sentiment. A boy then runs over, Oak holding the door so he can get in as well. The boy, later revealed to be named Richie, then notices and admires Pikachu, complimenting Ash on him. He then reaches for Pikachu's cheeks, Ash warning him not to touch Pikachu, but just. Ash warning him not to touch Pikachu, but he's too late. However, Richie is fine, Pikachu happily enjoying the little cheek pets. Just as Pikachu is complimented once more, the power goes out in the elevator, stopping it, with not even the emergency button working. Darn shoddily built League Village buildings, probably has them sleeping on cardboard beds too. Just as Oak resigns to their fate of being stuck for a bit, the group notices Richie fiddling with some wiring in the elevator panel and asking to borrow Pikachu. He then uses two wires and Pikachu's Thundershock to power the elevator back to the ground, Brock saying they're lucky they held the door for him as everyone thanks Richie. He then formally introduces himself to Ash before running off, Misty taking this opportunity to make fun of Ash. They then all hear totally not Jesse and James making an emergency announcement over a truck speaker saying for trainers to leave all their Pokeballs with them for inspection. Why no Jenny stopped this plot I don't know, maybe they thought it was legit. Ash then follows after the truck, lining up with other trainers and spotting Richie, both happy to see that the other is a league competitor. Not Team Rocket then asks for the trainers to give their Pokemon to James, or risk disqualification. Team Rocket is basically pulling the IRS has been trying to contact you scam. The two then collect everyone's Pokeballs, and after getting shocked trying to pick him up, Pikachu as well. James then accidentally lets Jessie's name slip, blowing their cover. After a quick rocket motto, Richie demands his Pokémon back, but Weezing smogs the crowd as the trio escapes in the van. Ash chases after them, but starts to lose them. He's then quickly joined by Richie, as apparently no other trainers decided to chase the people who just stole their beloved animals from them. They then see the van at the bottom of a steep hill, Richie says that running down is the only way to catch up, so Ash is like, Okay, let's go, and jumps down, Richie watching in surprise, choosing to follow him down this hill that constantly changes sizes. He yells for Ash to stop, but the boy refuses, so Richie tackles him, and they skid to a stop right on the edge of a drop. Ash angrily pushes Richie off him, his savior yelling that if not for him, Ash would have died, before both annoyedly climb down the cliffside. Team Rocket celebrates their theft by singing, before Ash and Richie jump in front of the van. Despite Team Rocket's willingness to kill Ash, as seen in the Torch episode, they instead swerve out of the way instead of running him over, and begin rolling out of control down the hill, landing in a small stream. Jesse tries to compliment James's driving, but sees him knocked out at the wheel and struggles to take control as they speed off, the two trainers in hot pursuit. That night, Ash and Richie continue along the stream. Ash wants to keep going, but Richie insists that they make camp, as it's too dark to find the rockets. While around the fire, Ash apologizes for yelling at Richie earlier. The boy accepts the apology, and Ash semi-jokingly says that he should be more careful, too, as he jumped in front of the van before Ash did. As they're about to eat, Ash worries that they may not see their Pokemon again, Richie assuring him they will. Team Rocket, meanwhile, celebrates their victory with a meal of their own! A toast
1: to the trio with the Brio!
0: Hear, here.
1: Yeah, whatever that means! Well, fellow Rocketeers, we've procured plenty of Pokémon! And we finally snatched that sniveling twerp's precious Pikachu! Let's Poké-Parté! <laughs> <laughs> Team Rocket has finally come up with the biggest Poké-Hall of all! Yeah!
0: yeah. We, we got, got Pokémon, yeah. yeah! We, we got, got Pokémon, yeah. yeah! Ash stares into the sky. Then notices Richie moving his finger in the air. He explains that he's making Pokemon in the stars, and encourages Ash to do the same. The two then bond over their shared love of Pokemon as the night turns to early morning. Continuing the search, the two find tire tracks left by the van and follow after them. They lead right to the Rockets campsite, where they're still asleep. Not seeing their Pokemon, they sneak into the van to investigate. Ash calls out for Pikachu, finding him and the Pokeballs in a now much larger than before camping van. Unfortunately, Team Rocket woke up and taunts them before locking them in the van, cryptically saying they're going for a ride. I really don't know what their plan is, since as soon as they open the door to do whatever they're gonna do to the kids, Pikachu can just kill them. So who knows what their idea was? As the van speeds off. Richie suggests using their Pokémon to escape. Ash agrees, but can't tell which Pokéballs are his! Richie, however, puts stickers on his, and can identify them from that. Ash tries a bunch of random Pokéballs, calling out a bunch of other Pokémon that aren't his before Pikachu sniffs one, and then indicates that it's his. Go, you are. A Bulbasaur then tries to break through the driving compartment, but is unable. Richie then sends out his Charmander, nicknamed Zippo, most likely a reference to the lighter brand. It uses Slash, cutting a hole to the driver's area. Jesse tells James to get them, but he wants that he's driving, so she sends out Arbok. We then get this very iconic line.
1: Pikachu, Thunderbolt attack! <laughs> huh? Turn it! Nice
0: driving. I should get a license. Richie sends out his own Pikachu, Sparky, which has a little tuft of hair on the side of its head. The two Pikachu use agility together, confusing Arbok. James not using momentum to his advantage again for some reason. The two Pokemon then use a combined electric attack on the rockets, blowing up the front of the van and sending them flying. Ash celebrates their victory but Richie points out that the driverless car is now speeding towards a cliff! Ash sends out Pidgeotto, while Richie sends out their Butterfree, happy to act as parachutes, holding on to them and using Whirlwind to slow their fall. Both boys and all the Pokémon are safe, as they both compliment the other's quick thinking. Then, Misty, Brock, and some Jennies, along with the other trainers, drive in from the distance, picking up the two trainers. We then fade to the league, where the trainers are asked to fish up Magikarp with bracket numbers on them to decide placement. Once again, just a fun little game for the trainers. Ash fishes up A3, but the entire group is horrified to see that that pits him against Richie, everyone staring with disbelief at each other. We then get one final shot of Team Rocket singing sadly from a tree.
1: I just don't understand it. How can we feel so low? When we're up so high! A hundred Pokémon in the bag, a hundred Pokémon! If all of
0: those Pokémon go free! Ain't no
1: Pokémon for me!
0: <sighs> and so, we have met Richie. This kid is extremely interesting in terms of the anime. He shows up for the League and then a couple of episodes in Johto, but is also the protagonist of a couple of spin-off episodes. But after that, he's basically gone. I actually wrote that they didn't even bring him back in Journeys, but apparently, like, a day after I wrote these notes, they brought him back as a cameo in Journeys. He doesn't talk or anything, he just shows up for a couple seconds, but hey, he exists again, and that's what really matters. Still, it's kind of a shame they really hype him up to be a counterpart to Ash, having a similar team with just a bit more competence behind him. But nope, after Gen 2, he's never even mentioned. Also, I do enjoy the quiet moment around the halfway point, but not as much as the previous ones. This one just felt a bit too... forced. And I still don't know why absolutely no one else chased after the rockets. You'd think that at least one other person would. Whatever, still a good episode, and it does a good job of hyping up the next one. (coughs) Hello guys, it's Intro Ryan again. I still have a bit of a cough, it has not gone away, but I'm trying my best. Thank you again for listening to today's episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best Because Gotta Watch Them All Was Taken. You know, that's the actual full title, despite what the podcast itself says. So, if you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog to listen to this show. And, in fact, there's even a Twitter you can follow. It's called AtWannaVary. It's a fun little Twitter account in the corner of the internet. Just, just, Tucked off to the side, waiting for someone to give it attention. He. And with that, I wish you a great morning, day, evening, night, outside of space, time, whatever. Just have a good one. Bye.